This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Life is a canvas. Listen as Dr. Allison R. Tendler and her guests paint the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and business leaders on her podcast, The Art of Seeing Clearly. Through insightful questions and thought-provoking conversation, Allison and her guests explore the essence of what it means to truly experience life, business, entrepreneurship, love, success, and even failure through a clearer lens. I'm your host, Dr. Allison R. Tendler, board-certified ophthalmologist, surgeon, owner, and CEO of Art Vision and Artisan Skin and Laser Center. I literally get to work every day to help people see better on the 2020 eye chart. But true clarity in life and in business often requires a slightly different kind of vision. I happen to have a passion for learning how other entrepreneurs and leaders find their clarity, and I want to share with you some of their secrets to success. Paul Tenhagen began his second term as mayor of Sioux Falls in May 2022. Since first taking office in May of 2018, Mayor Tenhagen has amassed a list of accomplishments for the city by putting people first and taking strategic steps to ensure the continued success of South Dakota's largest city. Through his One Sioux Falls framework, Mayor Tenhagen's focus is on safety and health, housing, workforce, and engaging people across Sioux Falls. Mayor Tenhaken has demonstrated his commitment to public safety through projects that include opening the link, a behavioral health and addiction triage center, and securing funding for a public safety training campus and Metro 911 dispatch center. He has also started initiatives that focus on improving lives and fostering leadership and community engagement, including the Sioux 52 Mentoring Initiative and the Mayor's Youth Council. Most recently, he launched the 437 Project in coordination with the 211 Helpline Center to raise awareness for mental health and suicide prevention. Mayor Tenhagen was selected for the Bloomberg Harvard City Leadership Initiative with a focus on innovation and chairs the FCC's Intergovernmental Advisory Committee, a true dedicated public servant, successful entrepreneur, and avid athlete. Mayor Tenhagen's proudest accomplishment is his family, wife Jill, and their three children. Mayor, welcome to the art of seeing clearly. So thank you uh, again so much for being with us today. It's a huge honor for me to get to sit in a room with uh, a face that I've gotten to see um, uh, and hear on TV for many years. And um, you've got lots of fans in our community and I'm sure our thank state you. and I'm definitely one of them. Oh, thank you. you. Yeah, it means a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So uh, 
getting into kind of your your background, your history, I mean, prior to your public service, um, you spent your career in marketing. Uh, several of us know that. And you worked for various companies and then founded an amazing company called ClickBrain in, I believe, 2008. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So in that background, tell us how you made the leap, leap from agency and corporate world and decided, oh my gosh, I'm going to start my own business. Oh, it's a great question, man. Um, well, so I graduated from college in 2000, and at that time, the the dot com um, bubble hadn't really started quite yet. The internet was still early. I yes. mean, people use AOL. We get CDs in the mail and all this stuff. I was hoping I really wouldn't have to learn how to use a computer back then. Right. And I so I graduated with a degree, and I wanted to be a web designer. I'm like, I think this web internet oh, okay. thing's going to be a big deal. And so I did that for eight years. Okay. Um, and then in 2008, President Obama uh, at the time had just won the White House and he had used digital media like no other politician ever had. He used okay. MySpace. Uh, he used A-B testing and email marketing in a way that um, Candace hadn't used before. And so I saw that wave coming, this social media thing, which no one knew anything about, and decided if there ever was a time to start uh, an entrepreneurial venture um it was then and it was around social media because i i said i think this is going to be a thing i i knew a lot about it because i was doing it at my job i was doing digital marketing so you know my wife had an income at that time it wasn't huge but it was like hey if i do this and it totally flops are we going to be okay and she's like well we'll make it work and so I hung my own shingle in January of 2008. Okay. This company we, we started called ClickRain, which like our first client, we made a MySpace page for a, a, a client. They wanted a MySpace page. I mean, it's literally how long ago it was. Yeah. So I've been doing the it's, social some media. Some of our listeners game. might not even know what MySpace yeah, you know, right? is. So I did that um, and just it took off from there. It just was timing. I mean, a lot of entrepreneurship uh, is dumb luck. You know, a lot of people think you have to be this genius to be an entrepreneur. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs that aren't the sharpest knives in the drawer, but they, they hit things perfectly. They time things perfectly. They timed the market or they got into an industry at just the right time. And, and that's what happened for me in in digital media. Wow. So when you were, let's say when you were 18 and deciding what you're going to do for the rest of your life, I mean, what was that? What was your goal? Man, when you're 18, I mean, I went to Should college. I ask to get, at 10? Well, Is I think that I was, more accurate? When- <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I loved yeah. people. Um, yeah. And, you know, I was always kind of the, not class clown, but kind of life of the party. And so it's always okay. just social. Okay. So I knew I would want to do something social. So when I graduated from college uh, as a web designer, um, it didn't take me long to realize this isn't the best. I mean, it, it, it let me learn the internet and learn web development, but I couldn't just sit behind a computer for eight hours a day and like code and, and design websites. So uh, I shifted in my career to be more marketing focused. And that's what led me to this social media thing. And then ultimately to be a public servant. And so, yeah. But I always just knew I love people. And it's yeah. still today, I just love people. I mean, so whatever if, that means. Whatever that means. I love pouring into people. When you were beginning that business for the first time, there's always challenges to be faced. Anyone that you remember in particular that you're like, wow, didn't see that coming, that you had to, you know, get over? Well, it's a, it's a good question. And for the people listening, 
you didn't give these to me ahead of time. So this is all raw. It is. That is, that is true. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So it's good. So I would say the biggest challenge um, then was trying to make payroll um, mm. and pay myself. And I had a young family and, um, you know, having to not have to pay myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And well, it was one time mm-hmm. we were one payroll away from being out of money. And I remember for the business. For the business. Yeah. And I remember just sit with my wife. We were eating downtown, having lunch. And I'm just like, I don't think I can do this anymore. I mean, we're almost we're almost out of cash. And uh think I'm gonna have to go back and work for the man. And so I think That's... the what people see with the entrepreneur with successful entrepreneurs is all they see is the exciting stuff. Yeah. And like there's all this hustle and grind and lost sleep and like almost running out of money and stuff that you never see. So I think good entrepreneurs do the small things in private to get the results that everyone wants publicly. So they only see the public successes. And there's like, there's all these private struggles and, and victories that you have that no one ever sees that molds you into, you know, what you are. So that was, that was that for me. I think that's a really great thing to share. So I'm not sure that a lot of entrepreneurs necessarily share that aspect of the the struggle yeah. and people do they you know of course lots of businesses don't make it yeah. but we don't we don't often talk about that that small point in time i don't know how many years it took you to how many years did it take for your business to really like so you felt like i feel secure in this i feel my employees are secure i feel my family yeah. secure yeah um i feel this business has a future well luckily the business was um was in a hyper, hyper growth industry that, I mean, social media in 2008 just exploded. Like Facebook wasn't public yet for, for Joe Blow to use. I mean, Twitter was brand new. Crazy. That is not that long ago. It's not. And there wasn't even, that was something we never had to deal with. No one spent time doing it. Right. In 2008 (laughs) and 2009, I would organized, I would organize what were called tweet ups in Sioux Falls and they were meetups for people on Twitter. So it was for us who were on Twitter to get together in person at, at a bar. We'd talk about Twitter and like, oh, you're a fellow Twitter user. And there was like a dozen of us that would show up and just talk about this platform called Twitter because it was so new and we were learning it together and following. Who do you follow and all this stuff? Seems so silly now, mm-hmm. but at the time it was like brand new. And, you know, within a year or two, it was like mass adoption. Every politician was using it. Every athlete was using it. Mm-hmm. So, but to answer your original question, like when did it, um, when did the business really take off? For me, it wasn't necessarily a time frame as much as it was an event. And that event for me was I had some partners early on that helped give me some funding. And they were good people, but our visions weren't necessarily aligned. And I had to buy them out. I had to buy them out very early in the history of the company. And it, I had to get a second mortgage on my home. To buy another, them out. another scary mm-hmm. thing, but yet you saw a vision. Yeah. So I had to you know, get a second mortgage on my home to buy out these partners. And it was totally scary. But after that, the business really took off. And I'm not saying it was because they were dead weight. It was because I now didn't have several other people I had to bring into the decisions. And I could just make the decisions that I wanted to make for the company that I saw and not have to go through other folks. And that's when things really kind of took off. Do you have an entrepreneur background with family, with anything? How were you able to come in, you know, hey, I'm out of college. I've been working for others. And now I've started this business and now I'm running it. Like, was there anything that led you to be able to, well, you got an MBA. Did you, that help you? It, or it, was help, like, it helps me. 
Yeah, MBA helped me. And my my parents are entrepreneurs. I mean, there's no entrepreneurship really in my so family. How is that? Where do you yeah. think that? That's a great question. And I was always honestly early in my career just kind of dead set against entrepreneurship because I just saw the the challenges of you know, you know, remitting sales tax and the hiring and the firing and the hours that entrepreneurs work. And and I'm like, I'm just gonna take a check from the man every two weeks and climb a corporate ladder and have the safety and security of you know, corporate America. And that um, gets very unfulfilling, at least for me, it did very quickly because I was just making other people successful. So you would, at the end of the day, you're working your butt off and you're helping grow a business or grow a company that's not yours. And you're just, what am I doing this for? I'm making someone else successful, but I want to hustle for myself. I want to do this for myself. I think that's what drives most entrepreneurs mm-hmm. is. Like mm-hmm. they want to control their own destiny a little mm-hmm. bit. Got a vision and want to have some control over where mm-hmm. they feel that that's going in a in a different fashion. Were you scared? Totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I had no history doing. I'm like, how do you how do you set up an LLC and you know <laughs> how do I remit sales tax Absolutely. and what if I get audited and hiring people and getting health insurance for your employees all this crap you had to deal with. Who do you felt was a great, um, you know, one of your programs has to do with mentorship. And I know you're you're huge into that at that time in your life. Um, and maybe it's still, maybe you still have one of the same mentors, but was there somebody there that was like, hey, Paul, you got this? You know, one of them was one of my early business partners who I bought out. So it just goes to show you, not every business partnership that ends, ends poorly. We just had different visions and, and I bought him out, but he was one of my great mentors. He mm-hmm. wasn't an entrepreneur. He was actually very successful um pharmaceutical guy um and mm-hmm. not on the sales side with gsk and he was just a man he was an encourager he still is and we still keep in touch mm-hmm. but he was always um the guy when i was having just a crap day and ready to hang it up mm-hmm. he could remind me that hey it gets better this is temporary cash flow will pick up you know hang in there and his name's randy and randy was mm-hmm. a great great mentor for me Hmm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that as well. Um, entrepreneur Magazine, uh, it, that I'm not sure when the year came, but named you one of the top 10 emerging entrepreneurs. So what were you succeeding in doing so well that grabbed their attention? I think it was um, the growth at which... The pace of growth? Yeah, the pace of growth, okay. because no one there weren't dedicated social media or digital marketing firms then. That was very new. So marketing... Back in you know 2008 to 2012, even there was, you had ad agencies, and ad agencies would maybe have a department or a person that this is our web guy. We might do digital yeah. items. And this is our video person. This is our audio person. This is our creative team. Well, we st- we're not an ad agency. We don't do print. I don't do billboards. We don't do TV, but we do social media, and we do really really well. And that was a new like model. So I think that is what mm. caught some attention early on. It was on. a new idea. It had rapid growth. Yeah. What about the leadership within your company? Um, you know, what do you feel your leadership style was that was successful? And maybe you have something like, ah, oh, that didn't work. Don't do that. <laughs> Try well, to avoid that. Yeah, <laughs> Lots of screw ups for sure, right? Because this also goes into no matter what business, quote unquote, you're in, you know, the business of public service, there's still a business to run with the city at the end of the day. Um, But that I'm sure those styles, you know, plus or minus, you've learned from the pro of your leadership style and like, oh, I had to learn how to change this. Yeah, I think the the big um, style, leadership style or the big culture 
um, kind of mantra that we tried to implement at ClickRain and we started at day one was we told our people as we would onboard people to start with my very first employee that our motto at the company is faith family work. So, so what I mean by that is like that needs to be your priority order in your life. And that's very refreshing for employees to hear that they're like, okay, the guy in the company puts my personal faith and personal development first, my family or my personal well-being second, and then the company third. Um, and I think to, when you're an employer and your employees know that that's your mantra and that's what you believe, um, they are fiercely loyal. So I think um, that was really important for us in building a culture early on that people, they wanted to come work for us because mm -hmm. they knew that that was how we treat our employees. We paid for we pay for overseas service trips, for instance, for employees to go on. If they want to go on a service trip to Haiti or Africa or the Dominican, the company would pay for the entire cost of that trip. And then we would make them, um, we'd count their PTO, saying so, you know, use PTO. So you work for a click crane, you got a free international trip. The caveat was it had to be at least a week because I wanted you to help ops for at least a week. And it had to be uh, a service trip. You know, just go and put your toes in the sand. Like, I want you to serve somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it gave the employees a perspective where they would come back with a different perspective on their job, on how much money they're making, on the life they've been blessed with here in, in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think having them see that we were investing in them as people and like mm -hmm. who they were as, as, as people and as moms and dads, brothers, sisters, I think really helped the company grow and attract the right people. Mm -hmm. I, that is that is fabulous. How does that transform into the people that you lead and work with today? So you're not always in control of who, right. you know, it's a little different, but how does that mantra and your values of faith and the philosophy of how you live that and want to, you know, the same people you work with, has that transferred to? Yeah, it has. So, my, you know, my role as mayor, I, we have 1,300 employees, we have, we have four unions, four collective How many employees did units. you have at Click Rain? Uh, when I left, we had probably 35, 40. Okay. Uh, and so the, my value system hasn't changed, but mm -hmm. when you're in public service and in government, you can't openly talk about uh, faith mm -hmm. or those sorts of things. I can't mm -hmm. say that's the mantra of my right. you know, city team. You can't hire somebody off of that or no, tell them that at the beginning. But you can but by your actions and just the way you lead and the, the way they see you living your life outside of city hall, mm -hmm. they get a pretty good idea, hopefully, of what makes you tick, what you see as priorities, what you see as important. Um, and so we've spent a lot of time the last four and a half years that have been in office focused on the culture of city uh, employees because government employees, they get um, they get beat down. They get blamed for a lot of stuff. They just uh, it's called public service for a reason because you do your job in public and everybody thinks you're serving them. It's a very difficult job, whether mm -hmm. you're a street plow driver or a lifeguard or a cop, mm -hmm. it's just hard to be in public service. So making sure they feel mm -hmm. valued, loved, that their, their legacy and their, they're not defined by the uniform they wear, but who they are as people, like those sorts of things that I've tried to work to instill in the culture of the city. I think I've been impactful. There's more work to do, but mm -hmm. um, it's what gives me a lot of joy is pouring into them as people first. Thank you for the insight uh, too on the, the public service of those people. And you're like, it's public and it's service. It is. You're in front of everybody all the time. It's crappy. And, it's crappy and it can sometimes. be 
to have. Yeah. So whether you're a teacher, you're, you know, a fireman and policeman, you go through a lot of things and you often do it in front of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So really good insight for us, mm-hmm. no matter where people are at to, to take away. When you, um, you know, we all make some some larger, you know, I say, I always say mistakes lightly because I always look at those as learning opportunities. What was a big learning opportunity you had um, with Click Rain that like that really taught me a lot? A huge learning opportunity. I mean, one that comes to mind for me was uh, our company was growing and we were basically every piece of business we would we would pitch, we would get. And it was just like fish in a barrel. We were just crushing it. And it was awesome. And we went into <laughs> a big, big pitch for a big client. And it's like, dude, this is a layout. No problem. We're going to get this account. We didn't get the work. And they followed up with us and they said, you know what? You just, you came in um, a little overconfident and mm-hmm. you didn't ever ask us for our business. You didn't act like you wanted it. And it's like, wow, that was a real like my ego needs a check because I strolled in there thinking, of course, we're going to get this business. We're the, we're the leading digital marketing firm in the region. We're the only one doing this. And I think that bravado took over and it's like, wow, I needed that to be humble. And so I, I, I think sometimes as leaders, you got to get knocked down a few pegs to realize, man, I need to be uh, humble. Uh, I need to ask for business, you know? So that was always, for, so for the next five years, whenever we make a pitch, we close it, love to earn your business. I'd be so proud yes. to call you one of our clients. Like just saying that people want to hear that. You ever you said know? thank you to that company? Whoever oh, totally. That? Yeah. In fact, I, I just spent three days running across the state. This is a whole different topic. We're running yes. across the state. I hope we get have time yeah. to get to that too. But one of our drivers was the guy who turned us down. <laughs> he, I just spent three days with him. I said, Steve, do you remember when you guys didn't give us this work when I was at Clean? He's like, ah, oh, vaguely. I'm like, do you remember what you said to me? He's like, no, what happened? I said, you said we were overconfident. We never asked for the business and the bravado. And he's like, really? I said, yeah. He's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, no, no. No. Dude, it changed like, changed who I am as a person. And thank you. And it was very, very impactful to me. So. And I think that's a, a wise word as you have people coming now underneath you or you might be mentoring in a certain way too. Um, it is hard to take some of those words, but it's also hard sometimes to give them mm-hmm. and give them in a kind fashion too. But yet how many years later you still remember these words and it totally. changed you. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome. How did marketing uh, impact um, your um, kind of run for mayor. Mm. How I mean, you had a lot of knowledge about the digital world, media, etc. Did that? How did that benefit? You know, kind of that backside because that's you know, I don't know how young the youngest mayor has been, but I'm gonna bet you're right. Younger on the younger 40, end. Forty forty years uh, when you became yeah. mayor of our our great city of Sioux Falls. Yeah. Um. Uh, but just kind of how it was kind of your business history, your knowledge there, how'd that help you as you decided to run? Well, in, in politics um, is it's just marketing and branding and you're marketing and branding a person and you're painting a, you know, just like you market this business, but the business a lot of times is who's behind the knife, who's Dr. Tendler, who is our, I mean, and so for me, there's no business. It's Paulton Haken. So I used mm-hmm. my social media background to, mm-hmm. you know, further my brand through different channels and, and try to be approachable. And to this day, I just carry that in the way I mm-hmm. 
communicate with the city. I use social media a lot to communicate with constituents. I use Instagram with a certain audience. I use Twitter for the angry people. And I you know, use Facebook for the moms. I mean, like everybody's got kind of a different yeah. different audience yeah. that, uh, you know, you cater to. And so it's been very, very impactful for me to communicate with people and having a knowledge and what people don't maybe always um, think about is I do all my own social media. That was, that was one of my next questions. That's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, it, it's a it's a lot. And for someone from like me, who's like not, I'm, I'm tech savvy in the world I live in medically. I am not tech savvy mm-hmm. in this digital world. And it's like, oh, that freaks me out. But so I'm like, who do you have that helps you with right. that? So that's a, that's I do amazing. because it's my brand is it me. Is. It's my name. And so, <laughs> so I'm very protective of that. Like I don't just in, call it micromanaging. If you, I don't micromanage much, but I micromanage that because one stupid tweet these days or, or, you know, yeah. look at what's happening with Kanye West right now. He tweets a couple of dumb things and, you know, his net worth has dropped from a billion to 400 million in like a week. And all because of a, some stupid tweets. So mm-hmm. you have to be very cautious of what you put mm-hmm. out when you're an elected official. And mm-hmm. so I just, I trust myself. I'm the one mm-hmm. throat to choke then if it goes wrong. So I, I'm pretty controlling with that. For, um, you know, let's say advice for me or for another business owner out there, because it is, there is the, there's the brand of the business, but there's the, like you said, the brand of the person behind the business. Any tips for someone like me or, you know, to like, how do we do that? How do we What's a, a tip like, hey, try this, this simple step and see if you can make that happen? Yeah, I think, I mean, behind every business is the people delivering the services. Mm-hmm. And what people care about today is the people. I mean, you got a really cool office and you're at Shiny and you can create great content around how cool the offices and great videos and photos. I want to know what the story is with Sarah, who I met when I walked in and like, what's her story? What's her hobbies? How long has she worked here? Why does she think this place is special? Like you have to humanize your business with the people. And so we always did that a lot at Click Rain. And that's why I try and humanize myself in this office. Like I'm a mayor second, but I'm kind of a dad and a husband first. So I want people to know that about me more so than the political side. So I, I mean, I think you are achieving that. If you don't feel like you are, I feel you are from looking at the outside. Mm-hmm. I would say that that's a very accurate statement um, of yours. And you're also going to be that person after this public service is, is at some time ends, you know, this portion, Hopefully. you're still like, you know, it's like, all right, so who's Paul, you know, who's, yeah. who is this? And that's still going to be there. No well, matter our when identity, our, our identity is not yeah. on our business card. And I think yeah. too many people get wrapped up by, you know, I'm Dr. Tendler, the business owner, mm-hmm. or I'm, Paulton Hagen, the mayor. And it's like, listen, <laughs> this mayor run will be done. And if my identity is all wrapped up in that, then who am I when this is over? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm a dad and a husband and love people. So I can, mm-hmm. I can love people in this job. I can love people as a greeter at Walmart or, you know, whatever yeah. my next chapter yeah. looks like. So. <laughs> yes. And who knows what that will be? Yeah. We don't need to talk about that yeah. today, nor do I expect you to answer that. So let's talk about some of these people things um, that you love to be involved with. Um, one of them is the mayor's youth council. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. I love kids. Uh, I love the perspectives they bring to our city as we talk about growing this community. And, and making, these kids are, are they high school? They're all high school yeah. kids high school from kids. Our, all of our high schools here in Sioux Falls. And uh, they just, they bring policy ideas. They bring ideas to my office. We meet with them once a month. And um, too often the voices at the table are the city council or the chamber of commerce. Those are all great, great voices, but 
we don't ever have the 16 to 18 to 19 year olds really represented. So we started the Mayor's Youth Council just to make sure we're doing our parks right. What do you want to see with public safety and policing? What sort of housing? Do you want to live downtown more? Are you more urban, you know, rural people, urban people? Because we have to keep building a city that the next generation of worker wants to live in, uh, wants to raise their kids in. And if you're not getting their input, um, you're going to probably get it wrong. So, What's something really wise that one of those, I'll say kids, young adults has brought to you like, darn, that's good. Well, the last cohort we had, um, which was the inaugural cohort last year, their two biggest issues that they're most concerned about. Um, neither of them would have probably been my guesses, but their first was youth mental health. That's their biggest thing they're concerned about, mm -hmm. followed by climate change. So we talk about housing and economic development and crime and public, and it's like they want youth mental health and climate change. So like if we as a city aren't showing mm -hmm. that we're focused on those issues, you're going to have young people that are going to want to leave because like, if that's important to them and they, they feel like they're living in a community that doesn't give those issues any attention, mm -hmm. they're going to find a community that does. So whether you believe in climate change or not, or believe in the future of EVs or whatever, it's like the next generation does. So we got to start paying attention to what they're asking us about. Mm -hmm. So if they want to stay here or yeah. come back yeah. and raise, raise families and live and work. Yeah. Um, tell me a little bit, we had mentioned this race across South Dakota, um, that you, now, how far of that race did you run? So it was so, called four, it was 437 project. Yeah, it was it's called 437 project. project. Yeah. We just did this, uh, about a you month were involved, ago. by the way, in some amazing, um, you know, I'll say mm. mission service orientated projects outside of, you know, being mayor too. And this is, this is one of those. So yeah. I, please take it away. Well, it, it was, it's called the 437 project. We started it just this year with the kind of a harebrained idea that I had when I was seeing all the mental health challenges that were popping up as a result of COVID, um, people's mental fragility in the last two years has really evolved. I mean, mental health is a bigger issue. Suicide's a bigger issue in our community. Um, and I wanted to put a spotlight on, I lost a couple friends to suicide. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I'm 44, I just seem like I hear about this more. Mm -hmm. So I pulled some people together and I said, mm -hmm. we should run across this entire state and raise awareness on mental illness and suicide. And so that's how the idea was hatched. And we ran 437 miles from Belfouche, South Dakota to Sioux Falls. Uh, 12 of us, we just rotated um, okay. 24 seven for 72 hours. and. I uh, ran across the state. I ended up doing about 45 miles okay. during that 72 hours. And uh, we raised 120 some grand for an organization that is um, our helpline, which kind of gets the mm -hmm. first line of defense, the first calls mm -hmm. for people experiencing mental crises mm -hmm. uh, and suicidal tendencies. And so it was a neat event. I hope I hope we do it for many years. It was we, uh, we have a staff member who uh, came to me today, knew that I was visiting with you and um they had been involved in raising money for that, um, for oh. a colleague who had um, recently passed by suicide. And so just that was mm. very meaningful um, all around for their group to to be a part of that. Um, oh, that's to help cool. that. So anyway, it was a oh, really cool, cool. Thing, just to let you know. <laughs> oh, so she wanted me to say that. So mm. I wanted to make sure that. Um, so uh, you're also an author. So, I mean, like, where do you have time to do all this stuff? You, like, stay up till 1 a.m.? So you, you've you got some amazing, you know, 
children's books. You've been inspired to write two of them, um, one called I Can Work on the Internet and A Field Trip to City Hall. Mm -hmm. So what inspired you to do that? Dude, I, I love kids, man. I mean, <laughs> I, just, I love kids and families and youth. I just, you know, it's as corny as it is, our, our kids are our future. And I get so many opportunities to go to schools. I get invited to schools all the time. And rarely do I say no when I get invited to school and my schedule is bonkers. Well, thank you but for I, saying, you know, not saying no to, to this podcast today. For, for sure. Awesome. But I love going to schools <laughs> and they always want me to read a book. And we'd, I'd bring a book and I'm like, I need my own books to read to these kids that will inspire them about public service, um, what it means to love your neighbor, to disagree with people, but still get along, which is subtly the theme in that book is also meant to speak to the parents who are reading it to them. So it's called the field trip to city hall is that most recent one. And uh, I take it to schools. I read it. I leave copies for the kids. And it just talks about what it means to care for our neighbor, uh, a lot of people in our community that maybe are different than us, mm -hmm. that think differently than us, look differently than us, but still be united as one city, one community. Golly, I, I can't wait to, I want those books. So good I'm book. going to put it on my I'll list. Get you a book. I would love one of those books. And the the premise and the story behind it sounds amazing. I yeah, love it's that. It's fun. I love that. Have you ever thought of writing a book for adults? Uh, Maybe it could I be a have. picture story book too. Yeah, you know what? I was just talking <laughs> to someone today. I get so many crazy emails, tweets, DMs. Um, most that I can't even share publicly, but it'd be a good coffee table book of me like aggregating those all and be like, uh, a day in the life of a mayor. <laughs> and you just flip through it and be like, look at this email, look at this tweet, look at this, whatever, because there's some bonkers stuff that comes into my office. <laughs> how do you, how do you let that roll off? How do, how does it roll off or does it? Well, I think most of us at our core, we want to please people. No one yes. likes to be disliked. I mean, we're, that's where we're all at in life. And but politicians, school board members, you know, elected leaders, they kind of become the um, the fall guy for what's wrong with society. You know, crime goes up. Mayor, you know, what are you doing about crime? COVID. Mayor, what are you doing to stop COVID? And people just get mad at us and pissed at us about a lot of stuff that we have no control over. So I always remember that, you know, hurt people hurt people. And there's probably mm -hmm. something going on in their life that I don't know about. Uh, that they just need a place to direct some some anger right now. And you just learn to take it. And you're like, I don't think it's personal. It's just a phase that they're in, a phase of life. And that's okay. And you mm -hmm. just get Teflon. I think that's <laughs> Teflon. <laughs> Each of those situations does build up a little bit of Teflon. Totally. Um, but I think that's in, in any industry. We have that here as well. Sometimes it's like, this is just a not happy person who... I don't think I can make happy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to take care of them, but I'm not sure that it's going to ever change that happiness level within themselves. So they're angry about something and I'm just happen to be here trying yeah. to help them with something else. So it, I think lots of industries. They got to find it. They got to find it themselves. You're right. I can't yeah. make you happy. You got to find that uh, in your own world. And, yeah. and sometimes, um, you, if you, you know, kill people with kindness is, you know, much overused term, but I love doing that. I love when people are mad at me and angry at me and I can just totally diffuse them with just a kindness bomb or. Yeah. Something. Sometimes we're like, let's see how we can make somebody see if we can get so-and-so to smile today. Yes, right. 
right? <laughs> so those are fun. Um, a little bit about COVID. I mean, you came on right before COVID hit. For some of us, we'd be like, oh, you know, the entrepreneurial side is like, well, so I had some friends who retired. It's like, well, thank God you retired before COVID mm-hmm. hit. And there's there's like, yeah, I wasn't in COVID when I was in this business. But at the same time, you you hit that, you know, when you entered, entered being a mayor. Um, and one of the things that I believe you said this time was someone had to be in this chair. And so why not me? Mm-hmm. Tell me about your thought process mm-hmm. with like, whether it's during that time or just that general philosophy. Yeah. So I look at it as, um, you know, you walk to a bookstore, go on Amazon and look at the leadership book sections, thousands and thousands and thousands of books on leadership. And during COVID, it was like, man, I get a chance to live out these principles in real life right now. Like what an what an honor this is to be able to like be in this chair right now and lead versus the woe is me, like, oh why, why me? me? This is terrible. Is it's like, yeah. wow, what an opportunity I have. And so you just reframe the problem to like, you know how many leaders would relish the opportunity to lead through a situation would like be a field general and say, all right, we're going to get through this. And and so for me, I just had to daily reframe the problem from a problem to an opportunity to say, okay, what am I learning about myself? How am I becoming better through this? Um, instead of just focusing on the, all the negatives, because that was easy. That's what everybody was doing, was mm-hmm. focusing on the negatives. Mm-hmm. We needed those people who were focusing on the positives. Okay, how am I going to pivot my business during this and use this as an opportunity, as a competitive advantage, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just lamenting about all the issues abroad? How do you take care of yourself? I mean, from a, you know, mentally, um, I know you love to run. Clearly, you're you're an avid runner, and that that's well known. What what do you do at the end of the day to help you reset? You keep Paul being the best. Well, the um, the day, you know, the it's day, definitely the beginning of the day. I you know I, my alarm was off at like four thirty or four forty usually, and then uh, I get up and I first thing I do every day is uh, I find some sort of physical activity. I either go lift weights, I run, I bike, swim. Uh, and then I find time that, to feed is, my what mind. That, what does that do for you? What, what, is it, that, what, what it does that, for me is that, that uh, the whole world is still sleeping. So I'm not getting any emails. My phone's not ringing. My, I'm not missing time with my kids because they're sleeping. So it's like I'm not disappointing anybody right now because there's no one up to disappoint. So I get that time with myself mm-hmm. and invest in myself. And I can listen to podcasts. I can listen to music. I can... I can go on a run and just pray and look at the stars. And I run past this building a lot because I don't live far from here. And, <laughs> and then, um, so that's feeding your body. And then I feed my mind and my soul and devotions, you know, around six o'clock in the morning until uh, I go in the house. And at that time it's six 30 and the kids are just starting to roll out of bed. And I've had an hour and a half to two hours of just, I fed my body, I fed my mind. And now I get a, I'll be with my kids. And I've done all that by, you know, seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, the trade-off for that is, you know, you go to bed, you need good sleep. And I go to bed by 930. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot, just like your your parents say, not a lot of good happens after midnight. And it's like, well, not a lot of good happens after 10 o'clock. To be honest with you, you just make bad dietary decisions. You're watching crap <laughs> <Yes>. on TV. <laughs> so it's like, I just shifted my day to get rid of those latter hours. And mm-hmm. I just go to bed earlier and try to take care of my body and my mind in the mornings. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. 
I feel like you've done a great job of explaining to listeners kind of your your story, um, some pearls, taking away some, away some great things, but also, I mean, who you are. And I've gotten a lot of your philosophy just out of how you've been speaking mm-hmm. um, with us over the last, you know, 40 minutes or so. And I think our everyone will really appreciate that. So thank you so much for thank spending you. some time with us and showing us a little bit of your art of, of seeing clearly for yourself, um, for our city and our community and all the, the kids, our citizens. Um, I'm truly, uh, this time has been uh, well, I, I hope you found it worthy, but That's thank awesome. you. Thank you for that, um, and uh, won't be one that I'll soon forget. Oh, so. thank you, Allison. Yeah, it's great yeah. to be great yeah. to be with you. We'll do it again, yeah. hopefully, in the future. That'd be great. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.